Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. Today, I want to talk to you about leader slips, hazards in organizational growth. Leader slips, hazards in organizational growth. Let's start talking about focus. Now, you see I got glasses on my nose right now. There's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that I cannot read my notes, which are down here, without my glasses. So, if I was to take my glasses off right now and I look down on my notes, I see nothing but blur. If you're wearing glasses and you were to take your glasses off, you'd see nothing but blur. But because these glasses are meant to do one thing, they bring everything into focus. That is why it is important to understand the uh, importance and meaning of focus. So focus is a corrective thing. Focus is uh, paying attention to one thing. A friend of mine, my name is Scott Wilson, uh, who pastors a great church in Waxahachie, uh, Texas, says this. Focus, F-O-C-U-S. He says this. F stands for first things first. O, other things second. C, cut out the unimportant. U, unify behind the vision. And S, Stick with it. F-O-C-U-S. F stands for first things first. O stands for other things second. C stands for cut out the unimportant. U stands for unify behind the vision. And S stands for you got to stick to where it is. So this is what I know about focus. Focus is easy to find but hard to keep. Have you ever started a day in which you had great focus? in which you knew where you were going to go, what you were going to do, whom you're going to meet with, which emails you're going to work on, where you're going to shop, whatever, you, you started with focus. But keeping focus is very difficult because many of the distractions are in your control, but many of the distractions are out of your control. A phone call could take your entire day away. So focus is easy to get but hard to keep. Because this is what you need to know. Everyone has an agenda for you. Everyone has an agenda. Have you ever had somebody stop you and say, hey, do you have a minute? Do you have a minute? When was the last time it was exactly 60 seconds? It was a minute. No, that does not happen. What happens is they said, do you have a minute? And he said, sure. And that minute turns into 15. So the other thing that you were focusing on now gets pushed behind because everyone has an agenda for you. Because you see, what does not get polluted gets diluted. So you may not mess it up, but it can take away from the focus at hand. A question for you. What is your focus today? Or maybe a better question will be, I don't know when you're watching this, but whatever time of the day you're watching it, let's just say it's in the afternoon or the evening. What did you start off your day focusing on? Number, question number two. What did you actually accomplish in that, few, in that focus? And then 
The third question is, if you had to redo your day, if you could reorganize your day, if you could re-execute your day, how would you have accomplished more of the things that you wanted to focus on and not? Now, what that exercise does, it makes you a reflective thinker. It allows you to think about what was, what is, what can be as far as focus is concerned. In my life, in your life, distractions will abound. But one of the leader slips, one of the hazards to growth is not being able to keep focus very long. Organizations that lose focus, individuals that lose focus, uh, teams within an organization that lose focus. They started off doing this, but they end up doing that. Meetings, staff meetings, you can go chase rabbits all over the place because you lost focus of what needed to be. Focus that would have made it an exceptionally productive time ended up a great time of frivolity, maybe fun, maybe even great debate, maybe it was very serious, but the focus that you started what did not happen. That's not the best use of your time. Now that can happen from time to time, but don't make lack of focus a practice because that is a leader slip. Number two, number two is casting vision, vision casting. So if you can write down five numbers, write down five numbers. You ready? Write down one under the other. Two, under that 18, under that 60, under that 18, and under that two. Two, 18, 60, 18, two. And next to the numbers on the right side of the number, make the, the sign for percentage, like a percentage sign. 2%, 18%, 60%, 18%, 2%. then go to the left of that, or the right of that, really doesn't matter, and write the uh, explaining words. Next to the top 2%, write down excited embracers excited embracers next to 18 write down early embracers early embracers in the middle write down middlers that is the 60 percent the lower 18 percent would be late embracers late embracers and the last one the last two percent would be never embracers never embracers so 2%, which is excited embracers, 18% with early embracers, 60% middlers, 18% late embracers, and then at the bottom is never embracers. Now, why did I start with that talking about casting vision? Because you got to know who you're casting vision to. So if you're in front of 100 people, that is how this is going to break down. If you're in front of 10 people, this is how vision casting will break down. So let's talk about each one of those. The top two are 
excited embracers. These are people who can finish your sentences. You start talking to them about, uh, I'm thinking about this and what about that, and they are on it with you. These are people who never lose a minute. I mean, they are with you. They are excited. They are already pumping their fists in the air. They are clapping. They are laughing. They can hardly sit in the seats. They are excited embracers. 2%. The next 18% are what we call early embracers. Not excited, but as they hear your vision, you're casting vision, as they, as they hear your vision, guess what they're doing? They are following along with you, they're buying into you, they are saying, you know, this is exactly what we need to do. You don't have to sell much to them, you don't have to argue much for it, you don't have to make your case repeatedly, you don't have to show them a bunch of slides and a lot of stats, a lot of PowerPoints, you don't have to go through all of that. These are early embracers, they get it, they get it quick, they get it fast, they get it early. Let's skip over the 60. I'm going to come back to that. The next 18% is what we call late embracers. Late embracers are people who will agree with you, but do it later. You have to sell it to them quite a bit. You have to make sure that they understand it even more. They have more questions about questions about questions. Uh, they may even embrace your vision after the vision has been kicked off and it has taken off and things are happening behind it and they see things emerging. They say, oh, I see it now. And they'll start embracing your vision at that given time. But they are what I call late embracers. And then the bottom 2% are what? Never embracers. These people, you can do all kinds of vision casting. You can have the glossiest brochures and the best PowerPoints, and you can have the best sentences and the best quotations. You can get experts on the platform to back you up. They will never embrace it. So if you were to add the top two, 2% 2 and 18%, that is what? 20%. You were to add the bottom two, which is 18 and two, that is 20%. 20% at the top, 20% at the bottom. I have a question for you. When you're casting vision of the leader, which one of those 20% are you thinking most about? Which one of those 20%, the top 20% or the bottom 20% that keep you awake at night? Which of the top 20% or the bottom 20% engage most of your thinking and leadership energies? Ma'am, make a guess. It's the bottom 20%. But the bottom 20% are just that, 20%. But in our head, they become 100%. Because we pay all our attention to the bottom 20%. And the more attention you pay to the bottom 20%, the more space they occupy in your psyche, in your thinking, in your emotions, in your relationships. But then, let's not forget about the middlers, the 60%. A little bit about the middlers. These 60% can go either ways. Politicians know that. Salespeople know that. Middlers can go either ways. But there's something you do need to understand about the middlers. The middlers are have a natural proclivity to lean towards the bottom 20%, number one. Number two, they resist authority. They don't like being told. 
by somebody in authority. And number three, they are more persuaded by informal communication than formal communication. So, number one, they have a natural tendency to go along with the bottom 20%. But you can counteract that by engaging the top 20% to influence the bottom, to influence the 60% in the middle. So, during election cycle, who comes knocking on your door? It's not the bottom. It is the top. They are sent by that party to come to your door, knock on your door. So how are you leveraging the top 20% to influence positively the middlers, the 60%? Number two, they resist authority. So don't go in there trying to be the heavy, I'm the leader, this is what we're going to do. That's not how you cast vision to them. And number three, because they are persuaded more easily by informal communication rather than formal communication, Meetings will not change their mind. You can have all the meetings, that's not going to change their mind. I tell you where they change their mind. In the parking lot, in the hallway, on the phone, texting, on Facebook, in the restroom, in the nursery, in the grocery store. It's those informal settings that the middlers are most open to. So when you're casting vision, don't get all tangled up with the bottom 20%. They are late embracers and the never embracers. Focus all your energies on the top 20%, the excited embracers and the early embracers and unleash their positivity and their can-do attitude on the middlers in the middle. So, so far, I've talked to you about focus. I've talked to you about vision casting. Number three, I want to talk to you now about communication. Communication. So there are two kinds of communicators. Abstract communicators and concrete communicators. Abstract communicators and concrete communicators. Because I'm talking to you about leader slips, hazards to organizational growth. Abstract communicators talk in abstract terms. Concrete communicators here in concrete ways. So, if you were to say, we're going to change our community, as a leader, that's an abstract statement. We're going to reach everybody with a positive message in our community. That's an abstract statement. The concrete listener, which is 98% of people you're going to talk to, are going to be concrete listeners. The concrete listener is saying, what is the community? What are the geographical boundaries? Are they going to train us for that? Uh, when are they going to train us? If they train us on Tuesdays, I cannot come on Tuesdays because I got to take my child to the uh, a special class or gymnastics or soccer, whatever it might be. And, and, and if Larry is going to be teaching that class on Tuesdays, I don't like Larry, I'm not coming. Now, you didn't say any of those things. All you said is we want to change our community. But they heard all those other things. Because you're talking abstract, they are hearing concrete. Now, here's another conundrum. You as a leader, as an abstract communicator, you can understand abstract and concrete. But as a concrete listener, I can only understand concrete. So you as a leader might be able to speak two languages. 
But I, as a concrete listener and a follower, can only speak one language. So you, as a leader, have to learn how to not just speak abstract, but speak concrete. Tell me exactly what you mean by community. You tell me exactly what we're going to do to impact the community, how we're going to do that, who we're going to do it with, what will be expected of me. Make everything concrete for me. So can I tell you some of the worst habits of communication? Here are some worst habits of communication. One is contacting others only when you need something. Do you know somebody like that? The only time you hear something from them, the only time you get a phone call, when their phone call comes into your phone, you know, you're saying to yourself, oh, what do they need now? Another communication habit that is bad is not following up or closing the loop. When you start a conversation, always close the loop. When you get an email, always say, I got it. Whenever you have an assignment, always tell the person who gave you the assignment what's happening with that assignment. Keep closing the loop. Number three habit is not returning telephone calls, not, not following up with people, not doing what you're supposed to do. Most of all, taking others for granted. Number four is foregoing courtesies, communication. How about saying please? Thank you. You're welcome. Could I bother you? If you have the time, may I request courtesies? Uh, how about not listening? I'm talking about leader slips and communication. Not listening. I'm not talking about hearing. Hearing is biological. Listening with your eyes, with your body, with your heart. Not listening. <laughs> when a doctor does not listen, they cut off the wrong arm. When people are not listening, they totally misinterpret the scenario. And finally, a leader slip in communication is focus on negative rather than adding value. Add value wherever you go. So I've talked to you about focus. I've talked to you about the whole concept of communication. I've talked to you about vision casting. And now I want to talk to you about Decision-making. Decision-making. Well, everyone makes decisions. You as a leader make decisions. Uh, I have uh, been in many organizations where I was in leadership positions and made decisions. But nobody ever teaches us how to make decisions. So you know what we do? We make what I call situational decisions. Situational decisions is, so what's going on right now? How do I feel about this? Who all are involved in it? Do I like them or I don't like them? Uh, did they make a decision in my favor previously or not? This is my opportunity to get back at them. So, so, so all kinds of messed up situational decision making. I'm going to give you a way to create what I call principled decision making. Principled decision making. Four questions you've got to ask yourself. I'm going to say them slowly two times for you. Question number one, is this something that goes along with our mission, vision, and core values? Is this congruent with our mission, vision, and core values? Number two, do we have the organizational capacity to deliver on this? Facilities, finances, time, scope, sphere. Number three, how will this help our community? How will this glorify God. So if you're in a Christian setting, how will it glorify God? If you're in a community setting, how will this help us touch and enhance the community? And question number four, 
how much will it cost? Notice I didn't ask, do we have the money? So let me work the ladder up here. Do we have the money? Isn't that the first question? So you look at the treasurer, you look at the CFO, you look at the uh, finance director, and you ask them, do we have the money? That's the first question we ask. And they are trained to shake their head only one way. Mm -mm. There's never money. So if you're depending to dependent on having the money before you can fulfill your vision, I'm talking about leader slips, hazards to a organizational growth. So if, if you are waiting to have the money before you do something, you'll never be able to do anything. So we don't ask, do we have the money? Because in leadership I've found, if you answer the first, all those questions affirmatively with a positive yes, we will find a way to get resources. Here's a sentence to remember. It's not about resources. It's about resourcefulness. Four questions again. Number one, is this congruent with our vision, mission, and core values? Is this who we are? Is this what we want to do? Is this part of what we are supposed to be doing? Is this why we exist? Is this what we see into our preferred future? Is this something that we believe deep down in our life, our core values? Is this congruent with our vision, mission, core value? Number two, do we have the organizational capacity? You may have a great idea. You may, you may be making decision on something, but you may not have the organizational capacity. Have you heard the old saying, uh, somebody bit off more than they could chew? That's what I'm talking about. When you don't have organizational capacity, it's going to frustrate everybody and you're going to set yourself up for failure. Number three is how will this glorify God? How will this enhance the community? Can I circle back up to uh, organizational capacity? One of those is the heart, uh, the human heart. Are there people there who can make this happen? And finally, back to number four. Question number four is, how much will it cost? Not if we have the money. How much will it cost? Because once you know how much it will cost, and you answer the question, yes, to the top three, you will find a way to find the resources. To repeat myself, it's not about resources, it's about resourcefulness. So I've talked to you about focus. I have talked to you about vision casting. I've talked to you about communication. I've just talked to you about decision making. And finally, I want to talk to you about selecting your leaders are choosing the team, choosing the team. In my book, Who's Holding Your Ladder, I talk about the five qualities of amazing team members. And I call that staff, S-T-A-F-F. -F. S stands for strong. Can they handle instruction and correction? T stands for teachable. Do they know it all? Are they willing to learn more? A stands for attentive. Do they learn quickly or are they slow learners? F stands for firm, F-I-R-M. Are they there or are they blown about by manipulative people? And F stands for faithful. Do they have faith in you as the leader? Because if you have those five qualities in a, 
in a ladder holder, in your team member, you're going to have an exceptional team member. So let me take you a little deeper into that and help you understand some of where I come from when it comes to choosing the team. I've learned that we hire for what you know and we fire for who you are. We hire somebody in information technology, IT, for what they know. But we fire them for who they are. They can't get along with anybody. Uh, we hire you to lead praise and worship because you're amazing at singing and music. You get it. But we fire you because you're not a leader, you're not an administrator, you don't know how to get long people, you have no social skills, you have, you're all creative and no organization. We hire people for what they know, but we fire them for who they are. So here's a principle. Hire slowly and fire quickly. Hire slowly and fire quickly. In my consulting experience, it has been my unfortunate task at times to recommend people to be fired, to vacate their positions and their jobs. So I've helped a lot of people over many decades do that, and I have done that myself. Do you know the greatest regret, the greatest regret that I've heard from leaders is not that they fired that person. But the greatest regret that leaders have is, yeah, you guessed it, why didn't I do it sooner? Hire slowly, fire quickly. Experience is overrated too. When someone says, I have 25 years of experience, it means nothing. It might be first year's experience repeated 25 times. And then experience makes perfect only if the experience was perfect. So whenever you are relocating people internally, whenever you're bringing somebody from the outside into your organization, never underestimate the power of retraining, realigning. They've got to know your heart. They've got to know your culture. They're going to know your DNA. They've got to know how you think. They've got to know why you do what you do. They've got to know your preferred mechanisms of doing things. They've got to know your processes. They've got to know your protocols. Uh, if I was a cashier at uh, store A, at store A, I was a cashier for 25 years. And now I get a job at store B to be a cashier. Store A, I was a cashier. Store B, I'm a cashier. Is store B going to put me on the cash register on that first day? Not if they're smart. Because you cannot assume that as a cashier at store A transfers to store B. Because everything about the systems, protocols, courtesies, language, vocabulary, troubleshooting, calling for help, all those things have to be retrained for. You know what we don't do very well in our organizations? I'm talking about leader slips. Is we assume too much that this person was a CFO there, therefore they can be a CFO here. There was a prison worship there, they can be prison worship here. There were receptionists there, they can be receptionists here without retraining. 
most of your challenges you're having with people is because you brought them in, you plugged them in, and did not spend time in retraining. So every organization needs to go through the whole concept of scrubbing your staff members for three things. Evaluating them, assessing them for three things. Whom to retain, whom to release, whom to reassign with retraining. Whom to retain, whom to release, whom to reassign with retraining. Whom to retain. These are people, I want to keep them another year. I want them around. I want them to be part of the team. Whom to release, these people have got to go. We have tried everything. We've tried self-improvement plans. We have got them coaches. We have moved them into different places. We have given them different supervisors, but nothing seems to change about them. We need to release them. And number three is, whom do we reassign with retraining? And finally, you've got to place people in their areas of passion. You got to place people in their areas of passion. When you put somebody in their area of passion, you're gonna find somebody with renewed energy. They really wanna go and make it happen. So let me summarize. Leader slips. Hazards toward organizational growth. I've talked to you about Focus, how easy it is to get, how easy it is to lose. I've spoken with you about vision casting. Focus on the top 20%, unleash them on the middle 60%, ignore the bottom 20%. I've shared with you about communication, how you as a leader have to be both abstract and concrete. I've shared with you about decision making. Don't be a situational decision maker. Be a principal decision maker. Know the four questions that you have to ask yourself. And finally, choosing the team. You want people who are strong? S. You want people who are teachable? T. You want people who are attentive? A. You want people who are firm? F. And you want people who are faithful? Final F. <laughs>